going to come around the word. 10 to 11. We've got to be done by 11.30 or the roast chicken rolls will burn, so I'm told. With gravy. Save two for me. Ephesians chapter 1. If you've got your Bible here. Now, are we going to have it on the screen, Aaron? Oh, there we go. Look at that. Aaron Coonan, everyone. It's, it's magic. How do you do it, Aaron? Ever since I first heard of your strong faith, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a city in southwestern Turkey. It's no longer uh, a, a functioning city. It was abandoned in about the 15th century, 16th century. You can go there and you can still see some of the ruins that are there, but this is Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is where John went and also Mary, the mother of Jesus, worshipped as well. So he's writing to those people in mind. Ever since I heard of your, first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. This text is so rich and so deep. I feel like I feel like it's almost impossible to fit everything into a into a, a two-hour sermon. No, just joking, 30 minutes. There's so much richness in here. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. See, let's, pray, let's say that again. I also pray that you, he's not just talking to the church in Ephesus, he's talking to you and me today, he's talking to the church over the millennia. I also pray that you, Sarah McElraith, Emily Morgan, Mark Lounsborough, I, under, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. Paul's letters always contain that somewhere in there these prayers that he prays and sometimes they're prayers that you can actually pray over yourself. You've just got to be able to reword it a little bit. And we need to apply these and pray them over our lives, you know, that I may have spiritual wisdom and insight, that I may, that my heart would be flooded with light so I can understand the confident hope he has given me, that I may understand the incredible greatness of God's power for me who believes him? You know, God's prayers and God's powers and, and God's wisdom isn't just for the church as a whole, but it's for you. This is the life of the Christian 
that we are meant to walk in. We're meant to walk in wisdom. We're meant to walk in insight, knowing our inheritance and the richness available through Him, but we're meant to walk in God's power. So often we never get past the saved stage where we're just so thankful and we're just so blown away that God would send His Son and that He would die for us and that He would be resurrected, that our sins are forgiven, that we are, that we are, that we are saved, that we're born again. And, and they're all amazing things, don't get me wrong. Like, like in terms of like things going on in our lives, yeah, big tick, they're awesome. We are saved. We are born again. We are on our way to heaven. But we need to move Beyond that, because it says that we need His kingdom to come here on earth and His will be done like it is in heaven. We aren't called just to live in power in the next life and we so often think that when I get to heaven, I'll be healed. When I get to heaven, I'll see my family and they're all true things. But then you talk to people and here on earth and they're a little bit like Eeyore the donkey. It's like, hey, how are you going? Oh, I'm all right. You know, just getting by. Day at a time, one day at a time, just getting by, you know. <laughs> accepting sickness, accepting poverty, accepting every attack of the enemy is this. This is my lot in life. I talk to a guy, I talk to a guy every week. I say, How are you going? How are you going, Al? He goes, Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just getting by. (laughs) We're not called to just get by. We're not called to walk weak, uh, powerless lives. We're called to walk in power. We're called to walk in authority. You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not beneath. You're saved to walk in power, to have dominion, to rule and to reign. You know, when I first moved to Adelaide from Sejuna, you know, one of the things that I notice is there's a lot of land cruisers in Adelaide. A lot of land cruisers. And they're all driving around and going to Coles, picking up the kids from school and, uh, you know, maybe taking up three parks in TTP. These land cruisers have never seen a touch of dirt on them. Where's Alex? Is he here today? Man, Alex is the head of the four-wheel drive club, or he's involved heavily. You know, if these land cruisers... They're not built to just take kids to school. These are like some of the best four-wheel drives on the planet. These things are meant to be going over the Sahara sand dunes at 100 k's an hour, climbing up vertical rocks. These things are designed, you know, they use them. ISIS uses them in war. Like, these land cruisers, and that's a bad thing, but it does tell you how good these four-wheel drives are. These land cruisers aren't made for going to Coles, putting your groceries in the back. You know, they're very spacious. It's got a high clearance. I can see over the traffic. Yeah, they're good things, but it was made for so much more. It was made for so much more. I love hearing my sister. My sister has a, has a Nissan Navara. It's not a very good four-wheel drive, but, man, she flogs that thing. She rings me every weekend telling me how she got bogged and she had to get pulled out. Man, that's how you use a four-wheel drive. Go get bogged somewhere. Ask Alex. He'll tell you. He's been bogged many times. That's what it's about. Getting off the road, four-wheel drives are made for so much more. That's my rant over. We weren't called just to be nice, to be loving, to turn the other cheek, to be tolerant Christians. We aren't called to just accept life and what happens to us. We are called to walk in power and authority. You know, 
In Luke chapter 10, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. Luke chapter 10, he sends out the 70. And the 70 go out in the same manner. They go out, Jesus sends them out to bring the good news. And he gives them some commandments. It's quite a lengthy passage of scripture. I won't read it all. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, God's given us power. He's given us dominion. You know, these serpents and scorpions is the, is the enemy. It's the, the devils of hell that come and they come and they try to take from you. John 10.10 10 says that the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. The devil's going to come. The devil's going to be the devil. He's going to do what he does. He's going to come and he's going to come. But what you need to know is that you have authority. You have the authority that you need because he is defeated. We all too often spend our life just walking around and accepting the things that happen to us as that's life. I guess these things happen to us, but we need to walk in the power and authority that God has given us. You know, one of the things that we've done over the last few weeks is, is um, I don't know how this happened, but in our house, we've become Princess Diaries crazy. The movie Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway. Haley's all about it. You've got a house full of boys, though, so I imagine that they won't ever let you watch it. Princess Diaries. Yeah, you got Mia Thermopolis. Who, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. She's this nerdy, geeky, awkward kid who can't speak in front of people. And then she finds out that she's actually a princess of Genovia, a totally real country. <laughs> and you see this transformation that takes place. All of a sudden, she's cruising around in a limo. She gets her hair all did nice. She gets her eyebrows done. She goes through this transformation. You know, all her life she'd grown up as the daughter of a single parent, single mum. There's not anything wrong with that. Then she finds out that she was a princess of Genovia all along. Now, it's a good film. Actually, no, just joking. We're not going to watch that now. We spend our life walking around accepting who we are. This is my lot in life. But the reality all along, you've been walking around and you've been clothed with power. You've been given authority. You are called to not, to the devil is defeated. You're called to take dominion, to trample on serpents, to trample on scorpions, to take authority, to take dominion over everything. And you might be here this morning and you're thinking, no, I just come to church because I want to, uh, want to have a good sing time. I want to have the, the hot chicken rolls afterwards. But I've come to tell you, you're not called just to enjoy hot roast rolls. You're called to walk in authority. You're not called to born again to be a meek, passive, do-nothing Christian. You are seated with Christ. You have power and authority. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. It's this morning. In the time we have left, I want to look at three keys to walking in God's authority. Number one, our authority is found in Christ. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6, 
Verse 10, and Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, so often we walk around and, and, and I feel good and I feel confident because I've got, a, I've got a good job, I've got a great share portfolio, I've got a great investment portfolio, I've got a Ferrari sitting in the driveway. You know, we, we get confident about the things that surround us. We get confident in our own ability, in our own personality, in our own strength. You know, we get confident in the physical things of the world, but the reality is we need to be confident because we have Him living inside of us. It's not our power. It's not our might. It's not our wealth. It's His. And it's in Him that we have power. You know, our appearance, our marital status, our fears, our mistakes, the house we live in, our income, the devil doesn't really care about any of that sort of stuff. And what we do is we rely on these things as a, as a deterrent to the enemy. But what we're building is we're building a house of straw. That the big bad wolf, when he comes, he'll huff and he'll puff and he'll blow that stuff away. You look at the life of Job. Job lost everything, but still he wasn't defeated. Still he said, yet will I hope in God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And look at this. Seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Where is Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Jesus was raised from the dead and he was taken to heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the third person of the Trinity. He is seated in heaven. He is given dominion and authority over every power, over every ruler, over every leader and over everything else. He's put all authority of Christ and made him the head over all things. You see, God, the power of God not only raised Christ from the dead, not only did it tear the veil, not only did it give you access to the Father, but when it raised Christ from the dead, when God, when Jesus was raised from the dead, He was not only just someone who would just walk around and continue doing good teaching and He would continue doing the healings and the things that we, we read that Jesus does, but He's seated at the right hand of the Father. God gave him the name that is above every name. Every demon in hell fought against, fought, fought for the death of Jesus. Every demon in hell was fighting to get Jesus on that cross. Then in a matter of 36 hours, every demon in hell was fighting to keep Jesus in the grave. They fought to keep him buried, but the power of God overwhelmed and overcame them. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. This is further along in the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing and he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us... Have we got that? That scripture, uh, Aaron? If not, that's okay. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And look at this. Next one. And raised up together and made us... Look at this. Sit together in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding richness of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Where are we? 
when we get born again, when we get saved spiritually, we're sitting with Jesus in the heavenly places. Everything that Jesus had and attained is available for us. It doesn't matter what your physical reality is. It doesn't matter what your bank balance is, what your marital status is. It doesn't matter what the health report says because your power to defeat the enemy doesn't come from your circumstances. You may be the richest or the poorest, the strongest or the weakest. We don't walk according to the natural and by what we can see, we walk by what we can't see. Your physical circumstances may say one thing, but your spiritual reality says something else. You may say, but I'm just a, a single mum or, or, or I'm just a grandparent or I'm, I'm just a checkout chick or I just work at Bunnings or I just do this or I just do that. The reality is you are a child of the Most High God. You are seated in heavenly places. You're in Christ and whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, Isla, my daughter, she's sitting here. I promise not to embarrass her every Sunday. And every Sunday, I still do it. Sorry, Isla. When Isla was, you know, maybe 10 or 12, and um, we'd go out somewhere to a cafe or something, and she'd want to buy something, another drink or something from the cafe, I'd give her my, my card, my debit card, and I'd say, you go and you order it and you pay for it because I'm lazy like that. Uh, so when Isla walks up to, this, to the desk and she orders a hot chocolate or whatever it is and she has my card, she's acting with, with my authority. She's my child. She's carrying the authority that I've given her. She's carrying my card. She's my child. You couldn't do that. You know, Luke, you can't come and take my debit card and use it whenever you want. Isla can't do that either. But when Isla goes to that checkout, she's acting with it. She's not, you could look at her and say, how can you afford that? You're a 14-year-old, you're a 12-year-old kid. You've got no money in the bank. You don't have a house. You don't have this. You don't have that. You're just a kid. She's acting with me. She's got her father behind her. She's got the my, I'm behind her, backing her every single step of the way. She has my authority in that. When she goes to make the purchase, it's in my name. When we make purchases, when we, when, we when we pray, when we come against the enemy, we, we're not doing it under our own strength. We're not doing it under our own steam, under our own power, under our own bank balance. We're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not born again into a dead and dying family. We're born again into a, the family of Christ. You're born into a new family, God's family, and you have that name that is above every name. You have the name of Jesus. You carry the authority of the Father. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You don't have to walk around, oh, woe is me. Yeah, this is just today. You are, you, are, you are born again to walk in power. You are born again to walk in everything that Christ has bought for us. You are seated in heavenly places alongside Jesus. Three keys to walking in God's authority. First, your authority is in Christ. Secondly, your authority is found in your voice. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's gone in to, to fast for 40 days and the devil comes and he tempts Jesus while he's there and he's fasting. And three times the devil comes to tempt Jesus and three times Jesus speaks. Verse 4, it says, and Jesus 
answered him. Verse 7, Jesus said to him. Verse 10, Jesus said to him. Every time the enemy comes, we need to follow the example of Christ and we need to speak. We need to take the authority that was given to us and we need to speak it. You know, I used recently the analogy of the policeman who stands out in the middle of the freeway with his badge. You know, that thing carries authority as the authority of the government behind him. But if that policeman was seeing down the street a, uh, a car being broken into and someone's in there and they're stealing your, um, stealing your, uh, your coins from your dash tray, they're stealing your Panadol that you keep in there like they did when they broke into mine, although technically it wasn't broken into because it was unlocked. You know, the policeman is there and he's watching this going on. If he just waves his badge, what's that going to do? The thief's got his head deep into my glove box. Like, that's not going to do anything. The policeman has to speak. Stop! Police! As soon as he uses his voice and exercises his, his vocal authority, the robber will know the game's up. You know, Pastor David says a lot of our prayers go unanswered because they never leave our mouth. You can't separate the use of our authority with the use of our voice. When the devil comes, when he comes to attack you, and not everything is an attack, by the way, of the enemy. Maybe your marriage is failing because you had an affair. Maybe your finances are in a bad place because you don't know how to budget properly. Maybe your children are a mess because maybe you need some help with your parenting skills. Do you know what I mean? Like, not everything is an attack. And if there are those things in your life, then we'd love to walk with you and journey with you and, and get you to a place of wholeness and healing. But the reality is the devil does come. And the devil comes like a roaring lion. And he comes to seek, to kill, to kill to, and destroy us. You know, he does come looking to devour. But when he does come, and you know when he comes and you can feel the spiritual attack, you need to use your voice in the name of Jesus. By the shed blood of the cross... Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Satan, I rebuke you. Spirit of sickness, I rebuke you and I bind your power. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. You can do this in your home. You know when the devil, you know when the when when there's an attack of the enemy on your children and on your family, you see patterns of behavior, you see different things coming, and you know you're you're in the re, in the reality everything should be normal, then take dominion. You know what? If you look like a fool, then be a fool for Christ. Show your kids what it is to take spiritual authority. You know, when our kids have trouble sleeping night after night after night, and, and, our, and our youngest back in back, you know, when they were little, our youngest in particular, she'd get up every night, wake us up, and then you can't go back to sleep. Tried everything. I remember telling, telling Amelia that, you know, you try everything. You, you're trying everything. I said, if you don't go back to bed, you can go sleep out in the gutter. Uh, um, you know you make promises that you just can't keep. Uh, yeah, anyway, there's one. that's one I regret. You know, I, I, I just felt it was spiritual. She, there was this pattern that was irregular. It was out of the norm. She kept on waking up, so I bind the enemy. It's a simple thing, but the devil, if he can rob you of your sleep, oh my goodness, he takes... Your energy, your power, you wake up every day tired. Bang, she starts sleeping properly. You've got to take authority in the name of Jesus. I walk up and down these halls, these walls, uh, floor. I don't walk on the walls. 
I'm not Spider-Man. I bind Satan's power in Jesus' name. Spirit of control, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Spirit of religion, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Spirit of death, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You know, we need to take dominion and authority and speak the name of Jesus. We know that in Christ we have life and life in the abundance and that the devil only comes to steal, to kill and to destroy in your voice, your tongue. It needs to be activated to exercise the authority that you've been given. But Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our voice has three gears. First one is no voice. Sometimes we, we pray in our head or we think things. You know, in our marriage, so often I think things and I think I've actually told Sarah, but I've never told Sarah. But I've had the conversation in my head already and I walk away feeling happy as Larry and Sarah's like, what's he smiling about? You know, I've just won the argument in my head. <laughs> our voice has three gears, no voice. You know, so often we keep, keep our mouth closed, we keep in silence. We have the opportunity then, option two, option one is no voice. Option two is to speak death. Option three is to speak life. The tongue carries power. Power to bring death or life, to be used by God or the enemy. James chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 2 says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James is pretty strong, you know. Uh, James is the brother of Christ. I think he knows what he's talking about. But the reality is, and, and, and as we walk around life, our tongue has the power to bring life. Or it has the power to bring death in your workplace. It has the power to bring life. Or it has the power to bring death in your family. What do we speak over our kids? Do we speak life? Or do we speak death? You know, do we tell our kids that they need to go sleep in the gutter? You know, that's not a good example of speaking life. We need to speak life into our children. That they know that they're loved, that they know that they have a Father in heaven. They know that they can walk in power. They don't have to bend and bow to the pressures of the world. We need to speak life in our families, in our, over our wife and over our husbands. Be a person that speaks life over them. Don't speak death. In our church, in our church, we need to be people that speak life. You know, the devil comes and he just starts to use our tongue. It's interesting to see when you walk into a church and every church is the same, our response to change, our response to the things that happen in the church. As decisions are made that we don't agree with, do we go up to the person and say, hey, why did you make that decision? Have you thought about this, this and this? Or do we go around and gossip and say, oh, I can't believe they made that decision. I can't believe they're doing that. We have the power of life and death in our tongue. Death brings division and distrust. The power of the tongue to bring death, division 
and distrust. We need to use our tongue to bring life, to bring unity. You know, the devil knows that if he can get control of our tongues in the church, that it will bring disunity. And where there is disunity, God can't command a blessing. If he can keep disunity in the church, then he will cause this church to not be blessed, to not grow. And I'm not just talking about this church, the church, the broader church, everywhere. If God can bring disunity to your family, to your finances, to your workplace, to the church, he'll keep us where he wants us, which is powerless and walking, not walking in the blessing that he has for us. God is calling us to speak life. We choose to speak over the enemy and take authority and take dominion in the name of Jesus. But we also choose to speak life. We need to speak life. We need to use our words to bring unity. This applies to every area of our life. Pray over your wife. Pray over your husband. Bless your wife. Bless your children. Don't talk down to them. Build them up. Build them up one day your kids are going to be the ones that are going to be putting you in a nursing home. Or not. Build them up. Speak life. Look after your retirement. If your child doesn't find life and fulfilment from you and the Father in heaven, they will look for it elsewhere. They'll look for it in the world. Bring life. Pray over your pastor. Pastor David. Sarah and I, pray over us. Pray over your leadership team, the, the, the leadership team. Lisa and kids, Emily and youth, Stu with the front first impressions team, Naomi in the cafe, Naomi and Aaron with the worship. Pray over your leadership team. Pray blessing over them. Don't give in to gossip. Use the power of your tongue to bring life, not division and distrust. The power of the tongue. You can use it to command authority over the enemy. You can use it to rebuke him. You can use it to cast him out. But you need to walk in righteousness. Three keys to walking in God's authority. First, your authority is in Christ. Secondly, your authority is found in your voice. Lastly, your authority is found in your steps. You know, a policeman, the policeman analogy is strong today. He needs to step out in front of the traffic or he's never going to stop anyone. You know, the, the lights were out near my place the other day on the intersection of Hancock Road and Northeast Road, which is a busy intersection, and there was a policeman doing their thing, you know, like doing the hand signals, doing the robot. Yeah, if the policeman was stepping, was doing that from the footpath, you'd just drive straight past him. There'd be chaos. There'd be chaos at the intersection of Hancock Road and Northeast Road. How else am I going to get to Coles? <laughs> the policeman needs to step out into that intersection to exercise his authority. His authority is found in the position that he steps into. Your authority requires action. You know, too many churches and too many Christians will stay inside and they'll huddle together and they'll pray bold prayers and they'll take dominion and they'll use their voice They'll say, yeah, in the name of Jesus, we're going to take the town for Jesus. Devil, you won't attack my kids anymore. We take dominion, which is good, which is what we should be doing, but it needs to be followed up with action. It needs to be followed up with steps. We come in here and we pray and we exercise authority and we pray over needs, but then we walk out of here 
And we need to walk into our community and take the authority with us. James tells us that faith without works is dead. You know, if you're in your workplace and someone's complaining of a sore tooth, ask them if you could pray for them. Yeah, they could say no, but they could say yes. And guess what? God could bring about a healing. That's the decision I made at the beginning of the year. I said, I'm going to pray for healing for everyone. And I've prayed for many, many people and they haven't been healed. I've prayed for many, many, uh, well, four or five people this year and there's been real tangible healings. Stu's a testimony of one. It's not me, it's the power of God. But unless we actually step out, we'll never know. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, and, and, uh, and uh, Rohan, the writers of Rohan, if you could join me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them. You, know, you can identify people by their fruit. That is... the news we'll get an update later that's all right you can identify them by their fruit that is the way that they act can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles a good tree produces good fruit a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce good fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire yes just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. That's powerful. You can't identify people by what they say. What type of person? You can, you can identify, oh, they're German or they're, you know, whatever. Accents and phrasing that they use. You can tell as soon as someone's from the East Coast, the way that they pronounce their A's. You can tell a person. But you, you don't know what manner of a person they are. A tree is known by its fruit. Its fruit is its actions. Just as you can tell a fruit, a tree by its fruit, you can tell a person by its actions. So I've got to ask you, if the devil looked at you, would he know you? Would he know who you are? Would he know what, what type of person you are? Would he know that you walk in authority, that you walk in dominion, that you walk in power, uh, would your workplace, would your family, let me, if I asked your family today, and I don't want, you know, don't ask my family because the answer might shock some of you. <laughs> if I asked our families today by what manner of a person we are, because I can stand up here and I can wax lyrical, I can say all of the great things under heaven, but if my actions don't back up the words that I'm saying in my household, then I am empty. I am nothing but a clanging cymbal, but a gong. I'm nothing but vacant space and air. Our voice and what we say needs to be backed up by our actions and by what we, and what we do. We've all seen the parents, young parents as we come through and we're learning how to, how to discipline and how to mould and grow our children. And we, and, and we make, in discipline, we've all done it, these outrageous like disciplinary measures that we say we're going to do, but we know full well that we're never going to follow through on them. As a parent, you learn very quickly to make sure that, you know, you only say what you're willing to act on. But we see parents that consistently don't learn that lesson and they're always making these outrageous things. If, if you don't do what I've asked you to do, then I'm going to throw all your clothes away. Or, you know, 
If you don't clean up your room, I'm going to throw all your toys in the bin. You know, all these things. But then the children learn to not respect what they say. Children learn not to respect their parents because there's a dichotomy between their actions and what they say. You know, the devil, not only does he fear the authority that's inside of us, but he fears every every step that we take. Every step in our workplace, every time that we lay hands on someone, every time that we pray for someone and then we minister to them, that we, that we witness, that we share the gospel, every time that we say, I'm, I'm praying for you, or, or every time we offer a, a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophetic word into someone's situation, we're not doing it under the power of our own strength. We're doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit because we are part of the family of Christ. We are seated in heavenly places with Him. Our power is in Christ. And that, sh- that makes the devil shake in his boots. The thing the devil wants is, yeah, you can, you can exercise your authority. You can keep your voice. You can say everything that you want, but do it in church. Keep it at the altar. Keep it in, in the building. But the, the, the power is in our going. It's in our steps. It's us in taking dominion in every step that we take, in every place that we go taking authority over the enemy. We are called to walk in power. We're called to walk in dominion. And I think that's it. Why don't we stand together in the presence of God? We'll come to a close shortly. Let's give God a hand this morning. He is a good God. It's in Him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and and you won't say that you're in Christ. You wouldn't say that you're a Christian. You wouldn't say that you're born again or a new creation. And today is your day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. And I want to give you an opportunity to, to meet with Jesus. I just want to pray for you. But to know who I'm praying for with every head bowed and every eye closed to give privacy to those around us, I'd love to know who I'm praying for. Could you do me a favor this morning? You're far from God or maybe you once were close, but it's time to come home. Could you lift your hand high up in the sky? No one's looking around. It's only me looking around. I'll see it. You can put it down. We'll pray. Is there anyone here this morning? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come home to Him. Praise the Lord. Hey, church, why don't we all lift our hands to heaven? I'm going to pray over you and then we'll be finished. I'm going to pray that this this prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesians, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to you who He called, you His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for you who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him and you in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord God, that we would understand our authority, that we would understand the power that we have in you. 
I pray that you fill us with the courage, fill us with the strength, fill us with your power. I ask that as we go from this place, that every step that we take, that we would take dominion over the enemy in our workplaces, in our families, in our church, in the streets. I pray that your power and your dominion and your authority would be on full display, that you would use each and every one of us. And I ask that in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, won't you touch your people? We love you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.